all this is dr mubin sayed with one more episode of long story short with dr bean from the flccc platform welcome so the discussion about ashwagandha that continues we talked about ashwagandha and its anti inflammatory effect last time i would recommend that you watch that video this time we're going to talk about the anti cancer effects of ashwagandha so again as you hear these there may be a possibility in your mind to say maybe i should use it please make sure you talk with your doctor also make sure to look up at drugs.com the side effects and the contraindications before you try to discuss this and talk with your doctor so with this let's start this is the paper that i am reviewing this paper is from poland poznan university so it is the poznan university of medical sciences poznan poland beautifully written paper i have gone over some parts of this last time today i'm going to go over the anti cancer effects so this is the section that i'm going to discuss so of course this is a section where you can read this as well in general what they're talking about over here is that ashwagandha can help reduce the progress of certain breast cancers and glioblastomas what i wanted to do was to show you the mechanism so that when you're reading this it is a more easier affair to understand it so before i go to my drawings look at some of the terms over here so this is the anti inflammatory effect this is anti cancer effect and if you see here according to research withaferin a derived from ashwagandha is also effective in the treatment of melanoma then if you see here they're talking about it is effective against cancers such as breast colon lung prostate and blood cancers it acts as a chemotherapeutic agent against many different types of breast cancers especially er pr positive breast cancers and triple negative breast cancers in addition to its treatment it also shows properties that prevent it meaning help prevent the cancers research also suggests the potential of ashwagandha in improving the quality of life of breast cancer patients so one it can be protective so before cancer if somebody is using ashwagandha there is a possibility that ashwagandha helps protect them from getting cancers then it helps healing some of the cancers and then it helps improving the quality of life of the cancer patients as well remember ashwagandha is also an adaptogen as well plus an anti-inflammatory as well and it is mainly used for stress too so this compound induces apoptosis and also reduces cell proliferation and inhibition and inhibits melanoma and migration so i'm going to talk about this the anti-tumor mechanism of withaferin a in glioblastoma multiforme were investigated and they talk about that that in gbm it helps reduce the cell divisions and even induce cell apoptosis or killing of the cells and then they talk about juarney et al demonstrated that a combination of ashwagandha extract and intermittent fasting has potential as an effective breast cancer treatment that may be used in conjunction with cisplatin and what they say further is that use of ashwagandha reduces the side effects of the cisplatin or the toxicity of it then they talk about azab et al found that the extract had a protective effect against harmful effects of radiation exposure reducing oxidative stress and inflammation in the liver and spleen tissue so remember that radiation exposure also causes dna damage 
and that DNA damage can be repaired in the presence of ashwagandha repaired better. And so that then it is protective against radiation as well. So these are some of the messages here. And I want to now show how the mechanism behind this all works. So let's start. So very quickly, as we discussed last time, ashwagandha is an Indian herb has been used in India for more than 3000 years. It is grown in other places in the world as well, including Middle East and Africa. It is called Indian ginseng. It is also called Indian winter cherry or Vitania sluggard or Vithania somnifera. The root is what is mostly used. However, for anti-cancer effects, root and stem and leaves are used as well. And as I discussed last time, ashwa means horse and ganda means fragrance. So it is a horse and a fragrance. These are the two words that are used. Areas of study, again, I discussed it. This is just a brief review. It is neuroprotective. It is sedative. It is helpful for sleep. It is an adaptogenic drug, meaning it reduces the stress which occurs when we are stuck in an environment which we are uncomfortable with, for example, aging process, for example, let's say tumor growth. So it is adaptogenic or stress reducer. It has been known to be anti-inflammatory, antimicrobial, cardioprotective, anti-diabetic, etc., including anti-cancer. And we talked about it last time. The active components are vitanolides and alkaloids. The vitanolides are the ones that are anti-cancer in plants. And the reason for that is that the plants themselves get cancers as well. And so plants have molecules in them and substances in them that help the plant fight cancers. And so those can help us as well. We talked about the anti-inflammatory effects last time. We're going to talk about anti-cancer effects this time. So let's look at a normal cell. I have opened up this cell. And so here, this is a cell boundary. This is the cell, for example. Inside the cell, we are looking at nucleus. Of course, there are so many structures inside the cell. I didn't make them all. This is a nucleus. Within the nucleus is DNA. Then these red structures are mitochondria. Because the nucleus has the genetic material, when the cell is functioning and making various kinds of enzymes and proteins, the nucleus sends the recipe or messenger RNA to outside of it, the little factories there called endoplasmic reticulum. Endoplasmic reticulum that are busy in making proteins are called rough endoplasmic reticulum and they are called rough because they look rough under a microscope because ribosomes are stuck to them. Ribosomes are the actual factories that are building proteins and they are connected like little air conditioning units on a house. They are connected to the endoplasmic reticulum. And of course, then mitochondria are also within the same vicinity because mitochondria are providing energy which is being used for the manufacturing process of proteins and enzymes. So now imagine for some reason that there is a cancer event that could be ionizing radiation, that could be carcinogens, that could be mutagens. And I will recommend reading Dr. Paul Merrick's cancer monograph because he goes in details over there for what are the possible environments, tumor environments that promote the tumor and that can cause the cells to become tumorogenic as well or tumorous as well. So now for a second, when the DNA gets damaged, then what happens is that there is a attempt to repair and I have deliberately decided not to show you the repair attempt first 
but I want to show you if the repairs fail, what happens. So when the DNA is damaged here, then what happens is there is a P53 dependent mechanism that helps put the cell in a state of repair. If that repair fails, if the cell with the damaged DNA escapes the corrective process, then what happens is, so imagine if these genes, the repair genes are not correctly activated, then there is of course no DNA repair. So we have a damaged recipe and then there is no cell cycle arrest. The cells would continue to divide. And of course, not all cells divide, but the cells, for example, immune system cell, GIT cell, skin cell, blood cells, they're dividing. So they would continue to divide with a damaged DNA and that would mean cancer cells. So this cluster of cells can then become a tumor itself. So then, again, we have to stay true to our discussion today that we're talking about the ashwagandha. So now let's see what is a normal process when a cell becomes exposed to DNA damaging events. Here is what happens. When these stressors that cause DNA damage, when they occur, and if the cell has a normal P53 protein, so here this little protein is the P53, then the P53 protein becomes activated as a result of sensing the problem with the DNA. This protein will then bind with the DNA and it would try to stop the cell from dividing any further because it wants this cell to be corrected before its copies are made. So P53's intent is to repair the DNA and in the meantime put the cell in a state of pause for further divisions. So here is what happens. Once the P53 becomes activated and it binds with the DNA, then here are the possible outcomes. Number one, P53 and the DNA system, the repair system is going to try to repair the DNA. If the DNA cannot re be repaired correctly, then Either this action happens or this action happens. And what are these? Let's look at this one. This action is that cell is put in a state of senescence or cell is aged. Imagine this a very strange thing that within the cell, the DNA, imagine the DNA is the brain of the cell. The brain of the cell got damaged. The cell's machinery tried to fix the brain. If it cannot fix the brain, it would very quickly age the cell it will put it in the senescent state. And in that state, the cell is not allowed to replicate any further. It is given a termination notice. It is not killed. It would survive, but it cannot divide any further. So even if it is a cell with the damaged DNA, it will not give rise to more cells with damaged DNA and it will not cause a tumor. So that is senescence. How does that happen? It's a very complex mechanism. We are actually not very much clear for how these senescent genes and operations work. But there are certain genes that are locked, the genes that would help the cell from to divide. And there are certain genes that will open up that would make sure that the cell stays as an isolated permanent cell. So this is one outcome. The second outcome, if you see here, Back's outcome or apoptosis gene system becomes open. Apoptosis is a cell death and it is a voluntary cell death. Why do we think it is important? A cell can die in three ways. 
actually four ways. One is just the crushing injury, and that cell dies from that. The other three internal death mechanisms are apoptosis, in which the cell dies voluntarily, and because it is dying knowingly that I'm dying, it will not release any protesting molecules or inflammatory molecules, and it would not cause inflammation. It would just die away as a regular death. That is called apoptosis. A cell could also be killed through the phagocytosis or another cell would pick it up and eat it and kill it. And that killing would actually cause the phagocytosing cell, the eating cell will create inflammatory outcomes. And a cell can also do a fiery death or inflammasome death where the cell within itself first, so cell would decide I'm going to die. I'm not going to live because there is a problem inside, but before it dies, it will cook up a bunch of inflammatory material. You can think of that as it will make fire bombs and it will put them inside. And when it has made those inflammatory packets, we call them inflammasomes, then the cell will break. And as it breaks, it would then send those sharpeners and those inflammatory molecules in the environment and cause severe inflammation. So that is a fiery death or inflammasome based death. Of course, then there is crushing injuries and other external stimuli, but this is from within the cell. So here you, what you're seeing is that if a cell is not corrected by the effort of the P53 system, then the cell is asked to just kill itself and die. So that is apoptosis. So here Bax's gene becomes activated and the cell is removed. Then if you come in here, here what you would see is this is one mechanism where GADD45 system becomes activated that tries to repair the gene. If the DNA, if the DNA repair becomes corrupted, it fails, then the cell would die. If the gene repair or DNA repair succeeds, then the cell would become normal and it will be allowed to start dividing again and replicating again and being a normal cell again. Similarly, there is another mechanism called P21 CDKI pathway, which I'm going to talk more about today because ashwagandha works here. In this pathway, what happens is that cell is stopped. It is paused in its cell cycle. Cell cycle is the process in which one cell divides into two daughter cells. So the cell is stopped. It is given an order that, hey, no more growth yet. Stop. And enzymes are given a chance to go and review the damage in the cell and then correct the damage. If the signals from within the DNA, the nucleus, they arrive that the DNA has become repaired, then the cell cycle would continue and the cell would divide. If that signal comes back and says, nope, I could not fix the DNA, then the cell cycle will be terminated and the cell will be killed as well. So let's now see this pathway. This is where ashwagandha works. So here is what happens. This is a cell cycle. Imagine that we are talking about a cell, let's say a stem cell in the bone marrow that is making blood cells. And this is the cell cycle of that cell. What happens is the cell goes through, for example, growth one cycle in which some cell organelle, remember cell has a nucleus, then it has mitochondria, it has Golgi operators, it has endoplasmic reticulum, it has ribosomes, it has smooth endoplasmic reticulum, rough endoplasmic reticulum, and so on. Many organelle, these are called organelle. 
many organelle of the cell are divided and duplicated because they're going to be two daughters. So both of them are going to require these organelle. So they're duplicated. So that happens in G1. Once that duplication occurs, before the cell can go to synthesis phase, where the DNA or the brains are duplicated, before that, if you see, there is a roadblock here and the cell cycle stops here. There is an RB gene, which is a protector over here. We're not talking about that any, anyways at this time. But the important thing is that the cell stops. It comes at a roadblock. It gives a chance to the reviewers to look at whatever is duplicated to see if that is duplicated correctly. If everything is correctly duplicated, if there is a problem, then those repairs are made. And once there is a thumbs up that everything is correctly duplicated, then this block is removed and the synthesis of the DNA starts. So now there are two brains, two organelle. Then in the growth too, some more organelle are duplicated. Some more things are taken care of. And then this roadblock needs to be removed so that cell can go to M phase, which is mitosis, where actual division of the cell occurs. Now this roadblock needs to be removed of course, the both need to be removed, but we are more interested in this one because ashwagandha has an interest here. So this roadblock needs to be lifted so that the cell can move from growth phase to mitosis, actual division phase. Now this block, imagine, is lifted by a crane, an enzyme. That enzyme is driven by here, cyclin B. I made it in the form of a cycle, <laughs> bicycle. So imagine that there is a driver that is sitting on a bicycle going to this crane and it, that driver would operate the crane and the crane would then lift the block. So cycling B and CDK1 or CDKI, this is a complex that needs to be active so that this complex would remove this roadblock and the cell would become divided. Now normally this complex is kept you don't just let it be and let it be operational all the time. It's going to very quickly make daughters after daughters after daughters, and that may not be the right thing. So normally we keep it blocked. We keep the driver of the crane blocked. The driver that is going to go and remove the roadblock, this roadblock, that driver itself is blocked by the P21, another protein. This P21 is then further affected by P53. So there are so many checks on the system so that cell doesn't make an erroneous division because that can cause cancer. So now what happens is, let's say we want to allow the cell growth to occur or division to occur. What happens is this P21 is reduced because P21's job is to block this complex. So if we want the cell to divide, we want this complex to be free so that this complex of proteins can go and remove this block so that the growth can occur or the division can occur. So P21 is usually reduced by P53 system. When the cell is ready to be moved from growth phase to mitosis, P53 system becomes activated. It reduces P21 and that then causes this complex to become active and that would go remove the block and the cell division would occur. Now, ashwagandha comes in and it actually bypasses the P53 control and directly upregulates P21. 
So it says, you know what, P53 system, I know that you're trying to sense a cell and trying to figure out should we divide or not divide. And I know that this cell is kind of a maybe tumorogenic cell and it is dividing unnecessarily and you're not able to control it very well. So here I am and I'm going to do what? I'm going to increase P21s. It upregulates P21 regardless of P53's effect. When P21s are increased, these are the blockers of this complex. So these P21s will go and phosphorylate a specific protein called threonine. So threonine in the CDK1 system becomes phosphorylated, specifically threonine, I believe 164. Let me actually very quickly see this so I don't make a mistake. Threonine 161 in CDK1. So threonine, threonine is a amino acid within this CDK1. It is dephosphorylated. It is inactivated. That causes this whole complex to be inactive. That means there is no one here to remove this roadblock and the cell is stuck in G2M phase cycle. That means ashwagandha has just successfully blocked a cell from dividing. Which cell? The cell that was getting ready to divide, not every cell. That cell that was here, that was almost going to divide. It blocks that one from dividing. So of course that would block blood cells, normal cell divisions, plus it would block the tumor cell divisions as well. And of course that means that you take it in a therapeutic dose where the normal cells are still forming while the tumor cells that are forming faster, they would become slowed down. So what is the takeaway? Ashwagandha upregulates P21 outside the control of P53 and that causes the upregulation of P21 causes the threonine-161 to be dephosphorylated in CDK1, which then makes this complex disabled and the cell cannot move from G2 to M phase and the daughter cells are not formed. This cell is now arrested in the cell cycle. So as I read that, to you before, ashwagandha would do two things. One, either arrest the cell from dividing or kill the cell through the apoptosis. So when a cell stays arrested for a longer time, that cell becomes marked for apoptosis as well. The reason is that imagine you are the contractor who is helping build a, build a building and you find some defects in the building and you say, you know what? stop any, any new construction and go and repair this. And I'm going to give you two days to go repair this and then we'll continue. And then nobody returns in two days. It's now five days and six days and nobody comes back or the repairs are not done. When self feels that I am stuck in this cycle for a longer time than necessary, it will assume that my corrective enzymes are not able to fix the problem and either cell would stay stuck in that state or if it can switch to senescent state, that is, it would just abandon the idea of dividing and just become a permanent cell, or it would go into apoptosis. So that is the function of ashwagandha in tumor-based cells. And as you saw, what kind of tumors. With this, thank you very much. We'll continue with other effects next time. See you next time.